0: Of the department in which he was at a very large medical center, eastern the United States. His co director had liked him in the beginning, and then something happened which Bill never knew what it was. He suspected it was Bill's hiring Helen and Bill spending so much time with her, but we'll never know. And we'll call the man AC. Uh, he was a very affable man who had a big grudge against Bill which made it very hard in the department and in their meetings. One day, Bill said to Helen, you know, this course has got to work. We're putting so much effort into it. We both deeply believe it's given as an answer to the question, there must be another way. Let's see if it works. So he asked for guidance from the Holy Spirit. And the very next morning, he went into, let's say, his enemy's office, And AC was sitting there, and as Bill walked in, AC picked up the New York Times, which he was reading, put it in front of his face so he wouldn't have to see Bill, his enemy. And Bill just sat there. He asked, what should I do? How should I handle this internally? And he was told, do nothing, just sit there. And he just sat in the office, and then he started to talk about the weather and a couple of the problems in their department, and AC never answered him, and Bill went out. This went on for two months. It's 60 days of Bill appearing in the office and AC holding up the New York Times and not looking at Bill. And one day after that, Bill had an early morning appointment, which lasted longer than he thought, so he did not get to the office on time. And AC actually went to Bill's office looking for him because he didn't come in and he wondered what had happened to him. (laughs) And the next day, Bill walked into the office with AC. AC was holding up the paper, then looked at him, put it down. It was over. Bill, of course, recognized this stuff works. And he was quite relieved and delighted because now he was back again on a friendship footing with Dr. AC. Not long after that, they both had to go to a conference that was quite a far away from New York City, and they had to stay there overnight. And of course, they had no idea nor did anyone else at the hotel had severely overbooked. And when they got there, the hotel was saying to them, you professors, you're gonna have to team up because you have to share rooms or not be here, we can't help it. And so Bill saw AC standing across the room, who looked at him, came to Bill and said, Bill, would you be my roommate tonight? There's no one I'd rather be with. And Bill said to him, I would be delighted, A.C. And they decided to book together. And on the way down to dinner, they stopped by the bar for a quick glass of wine. And A.C. reached into the nut dish and he picked out three almonds. And he put three almonds in his hand. And he said to Bill, Edgar Casey told me that if you eat three almonds a day, you will never get cancer. And Bill looked at him shocked and said, Edgar Casey told you, did you know the sleeping prophet? And A.C. answered, well, when I was in the Navy, I was stationed in Virginia Beach, Virginia, which is where he lived. And I met him and I went to his house a few Sundays for afternoons and for lunch. And he said, yeah, I liked him very much. Bill said that he absolutely knew where that came from. That so touched him because Bill was interested, of course, in metaphysics at that time. He was scribing the course with Helen and he could not believe that his former enemy had become a present love. It took work, everybody. First, it took intentionality. Second, it took recognition you can't do it by yourself. When you ask the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. If you continuously ask the Holy Spirit, as you would practice to break the four-minute mile to be Olympian, if you do that, you can definitely train your mind to see differently and handle situations so that eventually it becomes almost a habit. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. Well, I'm not saying because I'm not there. <laughs> but I certainly watched Bill Thetford at the end of his life. In fact, he died right in front of our home. And this man was joyous. He had been a depressive. He had been on drugs. He was homosexual, so he had problems there. He was in the closet, never came out. He worked with Helen, which was enough of a challenge. And he had let go of all his grievances. Those people he could talk with about them and tell him he no longer sees them as enemies or non-friends, he did. Those who weren't around in his mind, he did the process. And I witnessed the difference, and there is a difference. So go to it, everyone. Forgive.
1: I want to jump in here for a moment. Am I unmuted? Yes.
2: Unmuted.
1: Okay. I want to jump in here for a moment and say that in our personal notes, I have watched my mother over and over and over again put this into practice. And the biggest challenge for me as, um, as a child is that my mother and father uh, went through a very bitter divorce, and it was horrible. And my father absolutely hated my mother. This is not Bob Scutch. This is not Bill Whitson. This is my father, Howard Cohen. And he, I described him as a New York City lawyer who never believed anything he couldn't say. And so he was very angry for years, my mother. And if she wants to know that story of their forgiveness, can. But it was a situation for a child to be in. And years, for about 20 years, or 15 at least, they couldn't even talk to each other. And just recently, my father, at age 93, heard that my mother broke her leg. And in all these years, I keep seeing my mother sending him love. And then I've noticed recently in me, I've held them apart in my own being and in my own mind. And I have been deeply practicing this forgiveness business. And um, and I was stopping seeing them each as separate beings. And I was seeing them as um, still in an illusion as male and female energy in my own being that wasn't coming together. And in doing that, it was, I've been practicing and practicing and practicing forgiveness of my own perception of their separateness and all sorts of things started changing in my own life. Um, the man who I've been seeing made a deeper commitment. It, it, things started showing up in a different way. And recently, if you didn't know, I, Um, my mother fell and broke her leg. And my father was extremely concerned. He's in New York and he ended up calling me and he said, what can I do? I'm so, you know, I'm so concerned about your mother. And they have been on good terms for years, relatively good terms, but my father is very, very, very tight with money and very fearful around money. And he said to me, You know, I want to help. If she needs any help with caregiving, I want to contribute. And this is so unheard of for my father in any type of way. And he could be meaning $5, but it didn't matter. This incredible generosity came forth, and I was so surprised. And I said, that's really generous, Dad. And he said, he, he did a giggle. And my father giggling is not really in his I wouldn't say lexicon, but um, it is emotional. I have not seen him giggle much in my life. And I said, what are you giggling about? And he said, you know, I think this is the first time in 50 years I considered giving your mother money, my ex-wife, giving my ex-wife money without a court order. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it was such a beautiful, humorous moment of my father. And something in me changed at the same time. It was changing, but the forgiveness of seeing that past or having my own fears within that past um, really melted because of this practice. And then I said to him, "It's that's a, a really incredible thing, Dad, that you're not holding on to the past. And he said, this is a really nice way to end my life. I don't remember the past. And it was such, it for me, that was a moment of true forgiveness across the board in a full circle. And my stepfather would always say, he would always refer to different people who even had Alzheimer's as, well, I can let my mother really explain that, but it's true forgiveness opportunities because they couldn't remember anything or anyone. And the ones who passed the anger stage, there was a lot of light and love in this other alternate forgiveness. Now, I think we, most of us choose to have that with consciousness and not with it being taken, our memory being taken away from us. But there is something that as we evolve and get older that I see, some of the forgetting can help with forgiveness. And it's an interesting color.
3: Wow, I really so appreciate that personal story um, with your um, father. That's amazing. It makes me think about for myself, if I think about my past and there's something that I'm angry about, and now I have real release and forgiveness, but if we go and remember the memory that we think we forgot, does it trigger us again, or do we have to like rewrite the story of our memory? with this new forgiveness? Do um, anyone have any you know, experience with, oh, I'm gonna rewrite that past story that I used to tell myself again and again as a means to put myself back in that unforgiving space?
2: I'm, I'm not sure I understand that question.
3: If we yeah. had real release and forgiveness, Do we have to, or would it be helpful to rewrite the story of the past so that we stay in that state of forgiveness? Or do we tell our story and memory again, which just like undoes the forgiveness?
4: Can I answer that?
3: Yes, sure.
4: Yeah, Uh, What I found is that it was a stage process, and, and like somebody else said, Forgiveness is a stage process, and in the early days, I would know that when I was telling the story, I was carrying an energy. There was a charge in the story. However, as I continued doing the forgiveness process, I eventually got to a stage where there was absolutely no charge. In fact, I could laugh. I could actually laugh at some of the things which at one time I thought were horrific. And then because of the work we do, I found there were times where it was important to uh, do some self-disclosure in order that that could assist somebody to understand the situation. And I could do that in integrity when I had absolutely zero negative charge around the story. So for me, and I think it's a personal thing. Some people may prefer to rewrite the story and the other thing I found is, is this is especially around my biggest opportunity for forgiveness, which is my former wife, who is now a very dear friend and dear friend of my present wife, and all the kids are all delighted with it. What what I found with that was I um, I did eventually get to a stage where, as far as memories go, I would only remember fun times, so I would only share fun times so the only time I would actually tell the story as it is a story was if it was helpful in a situation for somebody else so well, I don't know if that's any help
3: it's lovely thank you because it is that we don't want to put ourselves back into that energetic charge
2: that's so
3: it. yeah that's well said thanks I think, Carol, you raised your hand. (laughs) I do. In the matter of rewriting
5: the story, it would be helpful if we could keep in mind and, and practice seeing it this way, that anything that's unloving has vanished. It's as if our words and actions from this second backwards, it's like it's been written in disappearing ink. It's not there. So it's not so much that I have to rewrite that. In fact, one of the lessons says, you know what? The childhood you remember never happened. But every time we start to remember something, we recreate it in our own minds. It's not like we're remembering some original accurate view. But what I do need to, shall we say, examine again and redo It's what I'm believing about myself in the moment, because it's always what my unfinished business that's coloring the stories. So remembering the enormously important part that cause and effect are always immediately in the same moment. So if I'm in pain in this moment, it has nothing to do with an event Or um, a word from back there someplace, it has everything to do with my own distress or guilt that I'm carrying forward. The events are gone, but if my guilt is not gone, I'm going to be distressed now. So that's what I need to address, and that's what needs to be changed. And that's what the whole workbook is for, is that constant reprogramming of the awful things that we believe about ourselves and trade them in on a better model. That's why I like to think of the course as like a spiritual technology for rewiring your mind, so to speak. And it works that way,
6: always, I find. Does that make sense? Hi, yes, hi, Uh, thank you for that comment. Uh, I have a question. Uh, In fact, yeah, so I'm a student of the course and uh, there is a very thin line between uh, denial and uh, forgetting or forgiving so this comes from an event that took place in our locality a few days back when uh, i heard that a 9 year old girl was raped and murdered all right and the moment i heard it the first thing that came to me was you know uh, holy spirit please forgive you know the everyone each party involved and in, uh, i felt let me send uh, vibes of forgiveness now it so happened that uh, i knew i came to know that i know the father of the girl all right and uh, to, it's one thing to be in a state of forgiveness when you are with that person but for that person that event has really happened you know he knows and for the rest of his life it will be a loss to him it will be perceived as a loss to him so he wants justice he wants the person who did this to his daughter punished and you know uh, reprimanded for so in that case as a miracle worker how how can we help that person to come to a point where uh, you know this never happened you know forgiveness is uh in coming to a point where what your brother did or uh, you know what you thought your brother did to you has not occurred so how how can we uh, help you know, as a miracle worker, help this kind of person in that moment? That's my question.
1: I would like to um, not answer that question. I'm going to leave that to someone else to answer. But I just would like to take 20 seconds to send that person love from all of us. And that's the best way I know to help and see. So if we could just for truly 20 seconds, Tara, tell us when it's up um, to close our eyes and just send that person, his daughter, the family, love. Thank you. I think that that's going to answer your question the most, but I'd like someone to give the intellectual answer. Oh, I'll oh,
2: okay. oh,
7: OK. Or Judy. Go ahead, Judy.
2: Um,
7: you're, muted. you're muted, Judy.
2: I think
1: it's Diane it's who muted. wanted to answer it.
2: Yes. Um, Diane? Um, my experience is that the most you can do for somebody else is keep your own mind as clear and open as is possible. It's never the words you say. As a matter of fact, if someone has suffered a really horrific loss, such as the loss of a child, I think it might almost be cruel, certainly insensitive, to tell them that it didn't really happen. Or exactly. like so. What you want to do is look at thoughts in your own mind, the horror, the pain you feel for your friend. You really want to look at what's going on in you. And there's a biblical expression, turn the other cheek. And I think what the course does with that is, well, it's not a line in the course, it's implying that you can't clear your mind, you can't turn the other cheek until you go through what process you need to go through to be clear and present with that person whom you love. You don't change their dream. You just stay clear and present because it's never the words you say, but your presence. It may be immediate. It may take a lifetime. When they are ready to have a shift, that shift will be there, but they will Feel your energy, and it is your energy more than anything that will teach, that will show them that there is another way to think, not the words. Words could almost be an attack if you put the facts of those words in front of someone who's thinking on a different level.
6: Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for uh, these words. So basically what I understand is uh, see, I know for one thing that to judge something as right or wrong is any which way, you know, you are adding or you're being a party to something that happened and you're adding a charge to that. So this I clearly understand that you want to stay in a space where nothing is right and nothing is wrong. So That's a space of non-judgment. And what you're saying is more than worse, just be in that presence and, you know, not be a party to what has happened by and just simply be there for that person. And yeah, in the material world, in the physical world, if he needs uh, help and you can do something about it, you do something about it. But at, beyond that, you just stay in the space of presence and in the state of love and non-judgment. Is that what you're saying, right? Yes, and that doesn't exclude
2: you. saying that you're so sorry for his loss. If you know the yeah. truth in your I mind, agree where you saying that from will be heard at a different level than if you actually believe what he's believing. So the work always is ours to do and somebody else's to feel.
6: True. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's, re- I mean, it reestablished uh, my faith in the work that we are doing. So thank you for that. Well, so can I-
3: Did you have something? I think I saw you raise your hand. Yeah. I just thought
6: just a brief
0: something. Uh, I haven't really heard mention of the words Holy Spirit here <laughs> because forgiveness doesn't have to be a difficult thing or a long process. As much as we're resistant to it, it might be longer. But if we get into the habit, all the time, particularly in situations where we feel enmity from someone or difficulty in speaking with them, if we immediately say to the Holy Spirit and whatever words you use, I use, please help me. It works very well. And the Holy Spirit knows that I am asking for help in this situation. I am not giving guidelines of what I want the help to look like. I'm not making up another story to replace the one I had. What I'm doing is asking the Spirit to be alive and well as it is in my heart and for me to know it. At that point, whatever story comes out is the Holy Spirit story. Whatever resolution comes out, is the Holy Spirit's resolution. If we don't do this, then we're missing the point of the course.
6: Right. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So, you know, the other line that's mentioned in that uh, what is forgiveness is forgiveness does nothing. It judges not, stays in silence, and let forgiveness tell you or show you what to do.
3: Thank you so much. I think you had something you wanted to add?
2: Sorry, who, who were you calling on? Uh, James.
3: Oh. Yeah, James.
4: Oh, yeah. Hi, can you hear me?
3: Yes, thank you.
4: So you. Uh, I'm Jim Ryder. I'm a neophyte. Um, I'm not as familiar with... But most of the past and the book that you all are but a few things that i've come across and what i particularly like is that passage where it says you have been given only there are, you there are only two emotions fear and love one you create and the other you have been doing here in love God." So to me, that's really easy for me to remember when I go out in the world. Instead of all the busy talk and the monkey mind that the mind tends to do, I can just kind of sidestep, side of myself to hear the love.
7: Okay.
4: Yeah, all I hear is an ocean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, many waves. <laughs>
3: Tara, I think Bob
7: wanted to say something.
3: Please go for it, Bob.
7: Well, that was back with the uh, last questioner.
3: <laughs> we can keep circling, as you have very well uh, shown us that the course has a circular. Dimension. I like to think of it as um, a three-dimensional uh, DNA spiral so we can go deeper.
7: And, and Judy, you actually um, said most of what I would have said, so minds are indeed joined. Mm-hmm. But to the last questioner, I, I just wanted to say that you know, A Course in Miracles is such a radical reinterpretation of everything that we think we know or that we thought we knew And in the ego's understanding, suffering is exalted. When someone has something terrible happen to them, we all want to reach out, and there is love there. But there's also what the course calls in the first section of uh, chapter 16, false empathy, and. of course, this false empathy is when you're looking at your brother as a body, as somebody who um, bad things can happen to or who can attack you, and that in any instance, that one or any other, our God job is first, foremost, and always to accept the atonement for ourself. That's really all we have to do. Um, and then from that place to see the Son of God in in the other person and that if we see them in that way, we are probably offering the maximal service that we can do because we want to get our perceptions out of the way. Um, You know, if you think about a world of 7 billion people, all of whom are suffering and thinking about other people suffering and attacking and defending and tripping all over ourselves, it gets to be a pretty big mess pretty quickly and if each one of us were able to just sort of begin to extract our, our minds from that mess and turn them over to the Holy Spirit and say, work through me. So maybe you are guided to say something in particular. Um, maybe you're guided to offer a silent prayer. Maybe what you're guided to do is look at your own resonances with that horror show that you just heard about. But... You know, I like to say a lot of times the ego's world is a nightmare factory. It's going to keep producing these nightmares over and over. And it's not that we glibly go into denial about them. Denial, you know, the Course tells us that defenses make real what they defend against. Um, You know, denial, you've got to believe in what you're denying first and then say, get it out of here. I don't want to look at it, but you've already made it real. Oh, yes. So that doesn't work too terribly well. But it also tells us that if we're doing our part to sort of clean up our own mind, I mean, I always think here of uh, Voltaire's phrase, you know, tend your garden. If your mind is your garden and you tend your garden, not in the sense of, oh, you know, I don't care about anyone else, but everyone else is at some level just a reflection of me. You know, we're all wandering lost in a big hall of mirrors here. Then if I can withdraw my piece of the chaos and confusion and suffering by remembering to the best of my ability who and what I am, that I am love, not fear, um, then I have to trust I am making the situation better in some way, shape, or form. But it's not up to me to evaluate that. It's not up to me to measure the outcome because, you know, that's above my pay grade. That's above what any of us can do. Only the Holy Spirit has the whole picture. And if we trust that, then it makes it much easier to take care of our our piece of it. Um, I don't know if that helps but no, it, okay great it, it totally helps it
6: totally helps thank you for saying that and thank you for reminding that yes denial is also a form of defense yes so thank you for doing that that's that's very well said and very well put and uh, like you said uh, holy uh, to to judge uh, in the in the section what is judgment is that to judge you need to know the present past and the future and oh. you know There is only spirit that knows all three of it. So, yeah, he knows the whole picture. Thank you for reinstating that.
4: Thanks so much. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Thanks so much. I have a thought.
5: Am I muted? No. (laughs) Oh, okay. No,
4: we can hear you. We can hear you.
5: Um, Since Bob just mentioned defenselessness being important in this whole process, I want to speak to that just for a second because since what we're trying to do is kind of tamp down the fear, anger, guilt, etc. level on the planet. Remembering one of the very first things the course talks about, and uh, and other traditions as well, which is we have more of what we offer to others, whether that's something tangible or intangible. And one of the most amazing gifts that we can give one another is to be in our interactions with people, whether they're family, friends, strangers, or whoever in an open way. I believe you mentioned about the, I can't see your name, but the energetics of things. And that is so, so important because if I'm open with somebody and I'm listening and I'm speaking and I'm following my own guidance, my openness in their presence conveys the really, really important message, I'm safe in your presence. And if I'm safe in your presence, you must not be a problem. (laughs) In other words, it's like in our interactions, uh, it's a presumption of your innocence. It's a presumption that all is well. And so not only do you give that incredible gift of, I'm safe in your presence, you must be good and innocent, Of course, we benefit from that as well, and it's easy, it's painless. All you have to do is go, this is just fun to do, you know, to be in your world in a very open way, knowing not only does it allow us to be present and feel much better, but it's such a powerful gift that like is easy, costs nothing, no problem about it, and it does a world of good. I highly recommend
2: it. Hi, it's Claudia, can, can I, is everyone hearing me? Claudia Mason, hello? Yes, no. Hello? Yes. Oh, great, I, thank you. I, I just wanted to me. quickly say, but, and thank you, Carol, for what you were saying, but um, it's not always f- easy. I think it's important to make, uh, I, don't, I don't think the, the goal is to be easy, I mean, to thrive, and to be in the flow of everything that everyone is talking about, absolutely, and what the course says. But to focus on, and you didn't say that, but it just, I just felt like jumping in, that things are easy. It's not, it's not always. There's great satisfaction. You're alive. You're in it. You're, 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 you're doing the best that you can. But it's not always easy. And it shouldn't be the goal to be easy. Uh, so I just felt like uh, jumping in
5: um, and saying that. I love, I love that observation, (laughs) Tara.
3: Yes, I think that was beautiful. So I just muted everyone again, but I'm gonna unmute Judy. There's also a raise hands feature. So do feel free to do that. And you yourself can unmute yourself again, Judy.
0: We used to say back in the very early days when we'd read certain lines in the Course, especially when it said, this Course is simple, we'd say, yeah, but not easy. (laughs) So (laughs) I think there's a lot of agreement there and I'm very grateful for that comment. Um, There was a, a line in the Course about forgiveness that I happen to love, and it's forgiveness is the only thing that stands for truth in the illusions of this world. Forgiveness is the only thing that stands for truth. That's a pretty powerful statement to me because we're talking about our daily lives and the world of the in which the ego has domain. But our yearning is for our reality, where we have peace, eternal, forever, knowing this maybe awareness, but not necessarily in a form. And that if we can and really want to, experience that sense of peace we will get it through forgiveness and it's a really nice map beautiful
3: We're coming toward an hour and I want to just extend it a little bit and there were some people who wrote in questions and as I said at the beginning, Judy, Bob and Tim saw all of them beforehand in the registration process and some of them we have indeed answered. Would anyone like to repeat their question or anyone else um, provide uh, another Question or comment before we, we close up and have Bob, Tam and Judy give us some closing words if they'd like. If you would like to speak, do please go and unmute yourself. Can you he hear me? Yes, thank you. Uh, hello, Judy. Hello, dear.
8: <laughs> well, I sent forth this question, um, which you probably won't like, but I'm asking it anyway. Um, Myself being very curious and probably some others as well uh, now that you've been on the path of forgiveness for such a long time and uh, been through so much and um, see wit go out in the way you described me and all that I hardly can imagine that there is any spot of darkness still remaining, like any, anything, any stone not turned over yet. So do you have actually any idea that you say like, this is like, this is something that I'm still struggling with, or is it something that you cannot pin down? What is still missing? Uh Judy, I can't hear you. I don't know how can to You have to unmute yourself.
0: yeah. Ah, uh, no Judy. I'm not I'm not on mute. Now you are now you're okay. Now now we can hear you. Okay. Can you? Yes. Yes, yes. very well sir. But Florian, I think that's a very good question. It was also our first. And when I saw your name, I smiled because it wouldn't be the same if we didn't have a question from you. <laughs> so what are the dark spots and how do you recognize them? And are there any left after you've been hopefully a very studious student of a course in America's 44 years? Yeah, there are dark spots left. What are they and how do you recognize them? Against whom do you hold a grievance? Where are your grievances? That's the sign that points you to your dark spots. Not what the world is doing, what kind of administration we have, what our politics are, but in relationship. Do you have any grievances? And one of the things that all of us do, including you, I know, is to take a look at those grievances and try to allow the Holy Spirit help you identify them, but not only that, help you release them. When you think it's impossible to release a grievance because, again, no forgiveness, then you know that's another dark spot. And I have what I call my bucket list. And, oh, my bucket list was so full quite a few years ago, I could hardly lift it and I needed a second. But I can happily say now, I can almost see the bottom. So I do see progress. My husband, uh, Bill Whitson, once asked Bill Thetford, how do you know how well you're doing in this course? He was also a professor and he liked measurements, just like Bill. And Bill thought for a second, he said, it depends upon how long you hold a grievance. That was it. So I would suggest that if you keep it simple and just look at your grievances, you will be bringing light to that darkness and it will be illuminated.
8: Thank you very much, so.
1: Can I join in here for one moment? Um, Lauren, I think that you were asking, does my mother still have any grievances?
8: Yeah, but I thought like she was sort of
1: turning that around
8: the asking. question a little bit and not wanting to answer it, so i didn't want to go into it again i'm well i'm happy with the answer, but i I wouldn't mind like some. I can
1: tell you that she is still in a body and she just broke her leg and there were some grievances that came up and she is, but she deals with it continuously through the course and it hurts and the body is in pain and there's no, there's very little escaping that except to keep refocusing the discipline on what's real and not, and what's not real and things do come up, but what it is is the continual practice for her that I get to see of what comes up and how quickly she shifts from an old response to the practice of forgiveness. And the deepest one that I will share for my mother is for her with her own self, because she's such a giver to everyone else. So when she has to be a dependent in a wheelchair, that's a, that's a very big Practice of forgiveness, and it's hers to do right now, and she's doing it beautifully, um, and and it's difficult. So it it doesn't seem to go away that we don't have a body, or there isn't someone who we love who just died, and there isn't a, a sadness of oh that's the end of that story and this illusion, but the reminder continuously of um, the continuous discipline of the practice of the love and remembering the deeper level or the higher level, however one would want to put it, of what is real. And I get to witness that daily with that woman.
8: Thanks ever so much, Tam. You're
3: welcome.
8: And, and just, just a second, may I just extend, because we are, Andy and I, we are holding together with Andrea here holding a, a, a retreat now, and we want to extend all the hello from our our people out to you, especially to you, of course, Judy. And thanks, Tim, again for your nice words. And um, it's it's past midnight here in Germany, uh, but we all stayed up, uh, eager to listen to your words. So thank you for everything.
1: And we showed up eager to listen to yours. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
3: Anyone else? Uh,
6: Well, I would just uh, simply like to say a big thank you uh, to each one present over here. And uh, specifically thank you for those moments of 20 seconds when we sent out love to all those people involved and uh, I would like to thank my teacher Alan who is here on this call he's the one who forwarded me this event and uh, brought it to my awareness so Alan is my teacher my friend my brother I mean we share a lot so thank you Alan for this and thank you each one of you all for holding the space thank you so much this is Nishank thank you from for India joining us. yeah joining you from <laughs> India thank you
3: Bob, do you
7: have any closing words as we come to our end? uh, The course tells us that words are but symbols of symbols. So they're really pretty uh, thin and ineffectual. Uh, And yet it's the vehicle we have for connecting and sharing um, and opening the doors wider to love. So I think all I would say is, you know, that we come together in this way, you know, technology makes so many things possible. Here we have not just the United States, but India, Germany, the UK. Um, I mean, I it's, it's an international community. And to me, it helps underscore the unreality of distance and time um, and the reality of the joining in a common purpose and love. And whether we call that forgiveness or vision, whether we're practicing the holy instant or the holy relationship, you know, the Course gives us so many different um, perspectives to enter this. We're all accepting the atonement. And um, I'm just really grateful that we're all sitting here together around this, uh, this, this, this earth and, and bringing forth this, this love. So thank you all for that.
1: I would also um, like to add here that the group who've shown up, this extension and the invitation um, of friends and loved ones and community members, um, is very powerful, not more or less than anyone else, but we are just moving into Passover and Easter and um, forgiveness, a time that focuses particularly on forgiveness and I would love before we leave to um, have another closing, whether it's 20 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever one decides, for all of us together um, to join in that for for the now and the eternal now. So mom, did you wanna say anything first before that?
0: We are blessed.